Well, hello again, everybody. Thanks for coming back to Describe TV and our channel. We have a really good show for you today. Uh, we've been away for a couple of days. We have the usual suspects. We have AI taking over jobs. We have real estate prices and one surprising measurement of what's happening with overall affordability, not just prices and interest rates, but also what that results in as far as a budget percentage. We also have an interesting evaluation of the overall cultural development, what's happening with things like accountability in employment and in society. So the usual suspects are there, even EVs will make an appearance today. But first, let's talk about the thing that everybody loves to look at as the villain, and that is artificial intelligence. It's no secret that AI is out there possibly taking over jobs. And in this article, it says that it's taking 80,000 jobs just in Grand Rapids in Michigan, just in one city, one town. AI is taking 80,000 jobs. This is not nationwide. This is not in a state. This is in one city in Michigan. That's a pretty big deal if you think about it. There's a lot of people that are not going to have employment or have lower employment in that town because of artificial intelligence. I know you have an opinion about that. I know you do. So we'd love to hear it. We want to know what this is doing for your job hunting. Maybe you're looking for a raise. Maybe you want a promotion. Is AI putting restrictions on your career path? These artificial intelligence, I don't know, I guess you'd call them advancements or changes, are not doing anything sudden. They're not creating immediate crisis in job markets. But over time, these effects add up. And you may not even know that your job was lost because of AI. You may not even know that you didn't get a raise because of AI. It just may be that in the long range plans for a company, they don't need to add as many employees. They don't need to have as many managers. And you might think, well, my job is not at risk. Well, AI has already surpassed human capabilities in several mm -hmm. domains. Which jobs are next? Here's the thing. Think about it. If you are job the sound where ai is not affecting you every job that's being affected today by ai at one point wasn't right it's all new how long has ai been around in jobs a couple years maybe so in a couple years if it's already surpassed human capabilities what's going to happen in the next few years it's rapidly developing technology according to the article one expert says that while benefits are exciting, industries and society at large must prepare for disruptions that are coming. Disruptions that are coming because of AI. Do you think that artificial intelligence is going to disrupt you in the short time since AI were unleashed? AI already performs as well as the average programmer and passed a bar exam. So, whatever job you have, is it more complicated than a programmer and an attorney or less complicated? And if it's less complicated, 
the only reason why AI has not come to your world is because either it's not a big enough market yet or they haven't figured it out yet how to do it. It's taken jobs, everything from the drive through window to attorneys and everywhere in between. Instead of an actual human, you now have chatbots, automated responses. How are you going to compete with that? Well, one good thing that you may have going for you is that the chatbots and the AI many times get it wrong. Many times they're incorrect. Dangerous chat GPT hallucinations that strike without warning can't ever be fixed. What's a hallucination? It's a term used to describe when AI chatbots state falsehoods as facts. Some experts are concerned because these hallucinations cannot be fixed and could have damaging impacts on jobs and lives. So there may be some light at the end of the tunnel where some companies are starting to realize, look, this might not work out too well using AI because they're wrong. But how wrong do they have to be in order to make it not worthwhile to save the money? Think about this. Think about whatever you earn as an employee, not what your take-home paycheck is. But if you look at your paycheck and you look at your gross pay before taxes, before deductions, before FICA, before insurance, all that stuff, what's the top line, the amount that the company paid out? If you take that number and you add about 10%, that's how much the company pays. And you might say, well, what's the other expense? Well, that FICA line is seven of your paycheck. In addition to the amount that you pay, your company also pays another 7.15% separately. So that's 7%. Plus, there's about 3% cost for most employees in terms of HR, in terms of you know resources, services, other perks that come with the job. You may not see them as a big deal, but there's usually about 3%. So if you take what your gross pay is plus 10%, that's what you cost a company every week. So let's just say round numbers. You cost a company... $1,000 a week. Let's just throw a number out there just for math purposes. You might make a lot more than that. You might make less than that. That's 1000 a week. That's $52,000 a year. And let's say there are 10 employees that could be consolidated with AI down to maybe one employee. So instead of $52,000 a year times 10, that's $520,000. That's a half a million dollars a year. The company could save by going to AI, maybe having one employee. So they save maybe 450. That $450,000 is free money. How bad does the AI robot have to be to make up for saving $400,000 or 500,000 or half a million? And the reason that that's important is because even if AI is not perfect, it might be close enough to be worth saving a half a million bucks. Because the owners of your company might look at it and say, well, what could we do with a half a million? We could either spend it on our advertising, spend it on research and development, maybe more inventory. Maybe they just take it as a dividend and put it in their pocket. It's a big incentive to go to AI. And even if artificial intelligence is not ready for prime time right now, maybe it's not, you know, completely, you know, technically sophisticated for most businesses, it's going to get there soon. Think about how fast computers and programming and Microsoft Windows developed in the 90s and 2000s, how, how fast that came along. And the internet, you know, most of us can remember 
if we're older than about 40, AOL, remember AOL? You've got mail, right? Think about how clunky and outdated that seems now. That was 20 years ago, 15 years ago, really. What's happening with AI right now is kind of seem like playing with blocks 10 years from now, five years from now. So be prepared. And we're going to talk a little bit later about how it's affecting society and what you can do to prepare yourself for what the new environment will be in. We always recommend thinking four or five years down the road, right? If it's 2023, think about 28, 29. What are those years going to be like? How can you set yourself up for success in 2028? It can be very important to do that because 2028 will be here before you know it. And when it gets here, if things are different and you haven't prepared for that new environment, that new world, you might be shut out of a lot of things. Think about the things now you're already shut out of because of decisions that were made or weren't made in 2018 or 2017 or who knows when, right? Think about if you had hindsight and you knew I should have bought this internet stock five years ago. That would have been really good. Maybe you should have bought a house. Let's talk about houses. Real estate is one of the things that everybody is focusing on. Why is that? Well, look what happened with real estate, how much it went up. Right now, it's very, very difficult to find a reasonably priced house. Right, Very, very difficult. So a lot of people are going to building a new house. And that's where the question comes in. Is it better to build or buy a house? There aren't enough homes available for sale. Are you better off just building a new one? Depends on time and money. It's really time because for the first time in recorded history, building a new home is cheaper than buying a used home, buying a resale. If you're trying to find a home right now, you're probably scratching your head where to look. There's a three-month supply of housing far short of the six months that's a balanced market. And that three months is really an understatement because a lot of that is what's called left-handed inventory. Inventory really a lot of people don't want. A lot of people who own a home are locked in low mortgage rates, so they're not going to sell. Instead of trying to find sellers who want to give up, you might want to look into building a brand new property. And as general contractors, which you know we're a, a licensed building company, we see this all the time. What is what goes into building a new home? Well, it's not not for the faint of heart. It's a tough project. First, you have to have the land. That's the easy part. There's plenty of land out there. There's plenty of empty raw land out there it's because it's hard to sell a house that's move-in ready or at least livable is an easy thing to sell because somebody can buy it and live there immediately a property which is raw land that needs improvement that needs utilities that needs site work that needs construction is more difficult to sell because it's not turnkey somebody can't just move in that day most people that are buying property they need a place to live right now they can't wait so if you can, if you don't need a place to live right now, maybe you're renting, maybe you're going to keep your house and, and put it on Airbnb, building a house might be a good way to go. Here's why. You can probably get a construction of a new home done in most markets in about a year to year and a half. Now, that depends a lot on how fast your permits can get turned around, your approvals, what the supply of building trade capacity is. Some markets, it might take two or three years. But if you really put your mind to it, you could do it in a year and a half once you did the site acquisition. The other problem is financing. It's not the money. It'll probably turn out cheaper to build a new house than to buy a resale home. The problem is you can't normally just get conventional financing 
for the whole home cost on a construction. First, you have to buy the land. Most times you're going to have to figure out buying the land in cash. So that's your down payment. Maybe you buy a piece of land for 100000 Well, if you're going to put down $100,000 down payment on a new house, we'll put it for the piece of land. You can normally get a construction loan for the building part of it from a lender. It's a little trickier than doing a regular mortgage. It's a little trickier. The paperwork is more difficult. And plus, they don't just give you a check for the whole amount. They give what's called draw checks. So when the foundation is in, they'll give you X amount for that. Then when the framing is up, they give you more money. That's so you can pay the draws for your contractor. But if you can stand and stomach that process and you have a good builder, you can actually be in better shape. Because here's the other thing. Even if you start looking for a house today, because the inventory is so limited for used homes, we're talking about, you may not be able to find the right house that you want for a year anyway. You might have to keep looking for months and months and months to a year. So the end result time of getting into a house might be about the same. It's just a different way of getting there, a different process. And it is more difficult. There's a lot more red tape. It's going to be a hassle. However, at the end of the day, you will have a house that has the floor plan that you selected. You won't have to make accommodations of moving walls and changing windows because it's built brand new. You won't have any maintenance, repairs, or inspection defects to worry about because it's a new house. When you buy a resale used home, you might have to do a roof. You might have to do septic. You might have to do paint. There might be things broken, right? Even if the roof is fine, if the roof is 10 years old, you know, most roofs last 20, 30 years, you're going to be 10 years closer to needing a new roof than if you have a new house. You're going to be 10 years closer to needing new air conditioner system, right? So it's something that people are talking about, build or buy a house. And it's worth taking a look into if you have the financial means to come out of pocket for the property and also be able to stomach the building process because it's not for the faint of heart. It's not easy, but also has a lot of rewards. So sneak peek, jump ahead. Mortgage rate envy. You're not alone. With interest rates climbing, a new form of one-upmanship, mortgage rate humble brag. So people now, instead of bragging about their income or bragging about their kid got in a good college, now people are bragging about what interest rate you have. Here's a nice image of people at a party. This guy has 8%. This guy has 6 This woman has 4 right? This lucky lady here has 2%, right? Rooftop party in Philadelphia. Everybody asks, not where did you buy, but when did you buy? Because that determines whether you got the interest rate of a lifetime or you didn't. Interest rate of a lifetime. I can remember in the 1980s, there was a movie that came out with Charlie Sheen called Wall Street. And Wall Street was about corporate greed and stock market manipulation. But one of the lines in the movie, Charlie Sheen was talking to the character. His name was Bud Fox, but his father was played by Martin Sheen. And Martin Sheen was kind of a blue collar worker, worked in New York and was really just frustrated. Like how his son, Bud Fox, the character could make $50,000 a year, which at the time was a lot of money and not be saving a lot of money. He was going to his father to borrow a couple hundred dollars. And his father said, man, you make $50,000. How do you need to borrow money from me? Where's all your money going? And he said, well, you know, 
you know, I got apartment and I got to buy suits and I got to do all this stuff. And my, his father said, look, I make that much money and I have a lot of money left over. And his son said, yeah, that's because you have a 5% mortgage and you rent out the upper room. Because at the time, mortgage rates are 12, 14%. So his 5% mortgage seemed like a low mortgage. That right now is still a little bit lower than normal, but 3% is even lower. The difference between a 3% mortgage and the current almost 8%, especially with the house uh, price factor, is huge. We're going to do a calculation here in a minute to show how much that has changed. It's probably worth half a million dollars over the course of a lifetime, whether or not you got a 3% mortgage or an 8% mortgage. It could be worth a half a million dollars on your personal net worth. So this mortgage rate comparison, one-upmanship is a big deal. That's a thing that's really, really happening. So weigh in below, let us know what is your mortgage rate scenario. You got in the twos, you got in the threes, or are you in the sevens or eights, or do you not own a home? The other thing is, do you own for cash? Is that better or worse? If you do not have a mortgage, do you wish that you took out a home equity line of credit at 2%? Because here's, in theory, what you could have done. If you own your house for cash, and in 2018, you decided, hmm, I'm going to take equity out of my house and get a equity line of credit, or maybe just cash out, refinance your house. And you got 3% mortgage. And let's say you had a $500,000 house. You take out that 500,000, you pay 3%. Right now you could put it into a CD and make 5%. So you'd be 2% to the good. So is it a good idea that you have your house owned for cash? A lot of people say it is a good idea and it probably is, but that's something to keep in mind. What about home builders? Let's go back to home builders. Because that's something that is uh, an interesting phenomenon. Home builders are at max capacity. So is that going to solve the housing shortage? Apparently not. Because builders are building as fast as they can. And the housing shortage keeps widening. What does that tell you about what's going to happen to the housing market? The only escape route, <clears throat> the only solution to the housing crisis is more houses. Resale homes are not going to come in the marketplace. It's like musical chairs. Anytime somebody stands up, they got to sit down somewhere else. So if a resale home comes for sale, that's not like a new house in the market because that person living in the house, they have to buy a house somewhere else. Most smart people now, they buy their replacement house before they sell their old house. Otherwise, musical chairs, you get stuck. If there's no music, you're stuck standing up. So resale homes are not the solution to the housing crisis, not the solution. The only solution is building new homes. Well, home builders are at max capacity. Now that's on average nationwide. You can still find builders who will build you a house. They might be a few months out to get started, but that might take you that much to get the site work, approvals, permits, and property acquisition. Builders not building fast enough to overcome a towering housing deficit, not a small housing deficit, a towering deficit. So that tells you right there what the future holds for the real estate market. Prices are not going to crash. It's not an opinion. It's not like wishful thinking. A lot of people who are watching the real estate market are expecting, wishing for housing prices have to crash because they went up. Well, just because they went up like they did in 2005 or six 
doesn't mean they have to crash like they did in 2008 and 9. Big difference. 2008 and 9, 20 or 30% of homeowners, in quotes, were people that really wouldn't qualify for a mortgage. They just got a no money down, interest only, no income verification, no asset verification. They were giving up loans out like candy. Anybody could get a mortgage. So a lot of people that had homes really couldn't afford it once their interest rate reset to the normal rates. That's a variable rate mortgage. Now everything's fixed rate, low interest rate. Nobody's going to sell these houses. Nobody has to sell them. No one's in financial distress. So the market is not going to crash because of resale homes coming into the marketplace. And they can't build them fast enough. The housing shortage keeps widening. Builders have been trying to keep up for at least two years now. Keeps widening. That tells you all you need to know about what's going to happen in the market. It's widening. It's, it's pretty pretty easy to see what's going to happen. Your thoughts. I know you have an opinion about that. First of all, tell us your opinion about what you want to have happen, but then tell us the opinion about what you think is going to happen. I'm going to talk real quick again here about mortgages from a different standpoint. Our investigative division many times looks at different types of fraud. And one of the most common types of fraud is what's called a wire transfer fraud. And the way that works is <clears throat> scammers will send fake emails to title companies to tell them to wire money to the wrong place. And it could be a mortgage, it could be a down payment on a property. And one of the ways that this shows up is what's called mortgage payoff fraud. It's still going up 532% quarter over quarter. That's not over the course of a year, that's from one quarter to another. With home transactions down, fraudsters are turning to mortgage payoff fraud to secure bigger payouts. Mortgage payoff fraud occurs when a title company mistakenly sends a mortgage payoff to a fraudulent bank account after receiving wire instructions that appear to be from a mortgage company. The instructions are from fraudsters, and they're very sophisticated. They'll create a website. <clears throat> they'll create emails. They'll create all kinds of documentation, and they'll get the title company to do it. We've said many times there's a real simple solution to this. If you're a title company, don't send the whole amount all at once. Send a test payment, $100, $50, whatever, to the supposed wire transfer bank account and uh, routing number. Once you send it, then contact the actual mortgage company, the lien holder, and ask them, hey, did you get the money? <clears throat> Make sure you're talking to the actual place. You can look up their phone number online. You can go to the the website for the actual mortgage company and call them directly. Don't count in their email. And then if they got the money, now you can send the big amount to that same account number. It's easy to avoid, but they're still losing millions, 12 million, 1.9 million. It's huge, right? Mortgage payoffs average 236,000. And fraudsters are very crafty when it comes to servicing because they're able to send an e-fax to a title company and it replaces the current statement they have on file. So mortgage companies are falling victim to this as well. Since we're on the subject of mortgages, let's take a look at what the difference in mortgage payments are. So right now, the average price of a house, median price, I should say, median price is 448000 I believe. Many houses are more than that, right? So let's say if you took a $540,000 house, you have a 30-year fixed mortgage, 7.75%, uh, which is about the rate right now, you're going to have a monthly payment of 
$3869. Almost $4,000. Call it what it is, $4,000. If you went back in time to 2018, that'd be 5 years ago. You could find this this is an above average house. You could find a nice house probably for let's say 350, right? But your interest rate would probably be let's call it 3.75. Look at your payment. 16 21. That's $2,000 less, more than $2,000 less, $2,200 less. That $350 house is probably the one that costs $540 now. $350 was above average back then. So that's a comparable house. So you're $2,000 more for the same house. Interest rate went up and the price went up. $2,000 a month. That's $25,000 a year. If you have your house for 20 years, that's half a million dollars. If you have a house for 10 years, paying the extra amount, it's a quarter million dollars. That's not counting the extra you have to pay in taxes. Property taxes go up when prices go up. Your insurance goes up based on the value of the house. What else is going up? Well, <clears throat> new car prices. New car prices have gone up. What is the new car price right now? Well, new car price right now, 48334 That's the average transaction price, $48,000 for a new car. That's gone up. 337 more than in June, 200 more than in July of 22. $48,000. Now, what does that result in for a loan payment? Well, if you take $48,000 for five years, 7% interest rate, which is about what you get on a car loan, that's $950 a month, almost $1,000 a month for a car loan. Well, again, let's go back to 2018. In 2018, the average price of a car was $36,000. You see that right there, $36,000. Well, let's plug that in. Let's put in $36,000 right here. And let's put that interest rate back down to, let's say three. You could probably get for less than three. Now your payment's 646. You just saved $300. So between the 2200 on the house, you, you saved 300 here. You're spending now, 2500 more just for your house and one car not counting gasoline and food and taxes and insurance everything else so 2500 a month times how many months are you talking about in your life 10 years 15 years right you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars that are now additional expenses for consumers because of the additional increases in rates and in prices. I know you have an opinion about that. Put that in the comments. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk about an interesting development in cyber attack insurance, where insurance companies are now starting to predict the future that there's going to be a whole lot more cyber attacks that will be upcoming and that will probably affect not only em employers and industries and, and businesses, but also consumers. So keep an eye out for that. Give us a minute or two to reset and we'll be back shortly. All right, here we go. So here's the thing, before we jump into that, let's take a look at some maybe good news if you are looking for a job or, or a potential employee. And I don't know if this has kind of happened, but, the union for auto workers is asking for a 
raise for auto workers, UAW, United Auto Workers, demands $150 per hour per employee. $150 per hour per employee. That's what they're asking for from the big three, which is General Motors, Stellantis, which is Chrysler, Jeep, and Ford. Asking $150 per hour. What do you think about that? Obviously, if you were an auto worker, $150 would sound pretty good, right? Question is, if they give $150, what's going to happen to car prices? We just saw car prices are $48,000. Right now, the average rate, according to the article, is $45, where is it? $64 per hour, salaries and benefit. They want to go to $150. That's almost triple. So what that, what is that going to do to the price of a car? It's good for the worker, but would you be willing to pay $80,000 for a car if the workers are making one fifty? I don't know. I don't know. There's pros and cons to each thing. I know you have an opinion about that, so let's hear what it is. Speaking of working, something else that's starting to be a complaint of employers. Now, you know, hear me out. This is not this is not me talking. This is what employers are saying. Maybe it's employees too. Maybe your work space has this same problem. You tell me. You tell me. Supposedly, people don't know how to act in the office. Bosses have a solution. Etiquette class. Gen Z and old people are having problems getting along at work. So employee, employment uh, HR people are having to hire etiquette class training to know how to act in public. Is this a good idea? Do you think you need this in your job? Like, do you, do you think the people around you need to learn this? Because it seems pretty extreme. I don't know. I'm sure there's people you don't like at work, but do you need etiquette class? Again, it's just a question. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe some jobs are better than others. In fact, according to Elizabeth Strout, famous author, it may be more than just at work. It may be society as a whole. She says, I don't see how we in the U.S. can find a way to come back together as a country. I mean, gr granted, that's one person's opinion, but it just says that sometimes this view of being able to get along is more than just etiquette class in one company. It's, you know, people in general. All right. So we're going to talk real quick about this cyber insurance. And we're going to talk about some very interesting fraud cases where there was a fugitive that was hiding in plain sight. And we're going to take a look at an opportunity for you. If you want to know what business or job to get in, there's something that's going to be guaranteed to be in demand in the future because of what's happening to the economy. Can't miss that. But first, but first, the, I guess, elephant in the room is, are there any risks to business, industry, from cyber attacks? Well, a lot of investors are thinking that there is. A cyber resist, uh, risk solution company called Resilience has taken in $100 million in financing. And this isn't the only money they've taken in. This is Series D. So that means there was previous money invested. Cyber insure tech company. That means they insure people against cyber attacks. Apparently, the investor market thinks that's a good business to be in because they're throwing money at it left and right, $100 million. Another factor that goes into this is 
a lot of people that have insurance thinks they want to go to another company. Most people that have insurance don't like their current company more than really any other time. Back to cyber insurance, global ransomware attacks at an all-time high. U.S. is a primary target. This is August 7th. So global ransomware attacks surged 43% in a year. That's not true. It surged, but 43% were in the U.S. My bad. Either way, it's a serious problem for industries, but also it affects consumers because if your company that you rely on for products or services gets hit, you're out of business. You're out of luck, right? If you're an employee, you may have to be on furlough for a couple of weeks until they get their stuff straightened out. Speaking of scams, how about this guy? This guy was a scammer, fraudster. He scammed 700000 on fake investments. And we see this all the time in our investigation company, Active Intel. He's the kind of person that will tell you, I'll double your money in two months and then takes your money. Well, he got caught. He was actually sentenced to prison. There's his prison picture. He escaped from a federal prison four years ago. What was he doing? Well, he was living as a high net worth wealthy individual on Palm Beach Island in Florida, living in a million dollar house. He was donating money to charities. He was, his picture was even taken on a celebrity type charity ball in Palm Beach. So he wasn't really keeping a low profile, was he? Serving a 20 year sentence for mail fraud and he escaped from Colorado. He had a photo posted online by the Palm Beach Daily News where he was at some industry event. So here's the last thing. How about an opportunity? You want an opportunity? Well, guess what? Here's a story that may not seem like it's a job opportunity, but it really is. In Maine, many cities and towns are facing historic tax increases and costs are rising relentlessly. Okay, what does this have to do with jobs? School budgets, municipal budgets, all kind of government budgets are, are really being crushed right now because tax revenue is going down with less purchases being made, less payroll being paid. The tax that's collected by the government at the local level, not federal government, I'm talking local government, city, state, towns, county, their tax revenue is going down. At the same time it's going down, their expenses are going up. Remember we talked a little while ago about how your mortgage payment goes up because of interest rates, the house price went up, gas goes up, insurance goes up, all these different commodities have gone up with inflation. Well, the government's not immune to that. They have inflation hitting their government budget, just like you do. So what happens is the government now has to figure out how the heck are they going to pay their bills? They don't have the taxes coming in, but they still have to pay for things like fixing the streets, maybe staffing the, the county clerk, right? So what they do is they start cutting services. Maybe it's an after-school tutoring service. Maybe it's cutting a recreational facility like a park. So they're going to start cutting non-essential services. So if you are a person that can provide replacement to government services, you have an opportunity. What does that look like? Well, maybe you're a tutor. You can tutor students that are not getting enough after-school assistance. Maybe you can create a little recreational after-school facility you know, basketball league. Think of the things that the government is cutting. Our investigative division, Active Intel, 
we're getting more business because people can't go to the police anymore to investigate a fraud crime or a theft. They have to pay a private investigator to do it. So think of all the things that the budget is going to cut for municipal services and look at how you can fill in those gaps because people still need these things. They still need things that governments provide. And if the government doesn't provide them, then the private sector may have to kick in. Maybe it's your company that you own. Maybe it's who you work for. You can suggest adding those services. Either way, that's an opportunity for clever, ambitious people to try to take advantage of the fact that governments aren't fulfilling the need that consumers and residents need. It's a lot to take in today. I know you have opinions about all this. We'd love to hear from you. Keep the comments coming. Check out all our channels. We're on YouTube, Rumble, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Make sure you see them all. Check out our websites. Actualhuman.com is a good one to start with. You can see it right there. It gives you all the information on different types of consultation, advice you can get in different subjects. We know how hard it is to navigate the world of businesses now that everything is on AI and chatbots and nobody, no real humans are out there talking to customers or consumers. Thanks for the visit.